Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. If you're visiting with us for country music, first of all, congratulations, you are insane. Who takes their holidays to come and some of you sleep in a tent so you can listen to country music? We're very grateful for that. Um, and, uh, but you are, you are brave. And, uh, so, um, For those of you who know, I get to move around churches uh, a fair bit these days. And, and I, I, something, there's definitely something that seems to be going on. There's, I would say, I would put it like this, there's a growing mood for change. There's a, um, this hunger for more than this. There's somewhere between curiosity and urgency around uh, the idea that what's next for Jesus Church. Not in a consumeristic way, um, but in a, a hunger for God way amongst the people of God. There's this, there's this, there is a, definitely everywhere I go. And it's not often driven by, it's not the preacher I'm hearing saying it so much as you know, people, everyday people going, feeling like there's a mood for change. There's a... Hunger for what's next. There's a curiosity for what Jesus might do um, next. And I think people are somewhere up for that. And I, and I would say that change, a mood for change is a soil for rebellion. A mood for change is the soil for rebellion, a good rebellion. If you think about it across history, wherever you get a, a stirring, a mood for change, that is a soil for rebellion, right? A good rebellion, for revolution, for that, that kind of thing to happen. And, and these messages I'm preaching this morning, I'm talking about um, the, the, sorry, the spark of what we'll call the new rebellion. And tonight I'm going to talk about the spirit of the new rebellion. This, this idea that we're about to speak on has been floating around in my heart and mind and in documents hidden away from the public eye for a couple of years. It's been floating around in the background waiting for the moment where I thought, oh, I think it's time for us to do something about this. And, and as I move around and see what is a definite mood for change amongst the people of God, maybe not knowing what it is yet, but they'll know it when they see it, I, I thought, I think it's time to talk about this idea of a new rebellion. So I thought I'd launch at least my part in the start of the year. With that, some of you will remember um, whatever your view on him um, theologically will remember Rob Bell and Numa. Does anyone remember that? Yeah. Wow, they were like those, those videos changed things. And I remember seeing them and thought, I didn't know what I was looking for, but now that I've seen it, this is it. This is like it shifted the church. In fact, they're, 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 they're old now, but they're still more innovative than most of the things going on. In, in the curriculum space of church, without boring you, it really has to change the way everything is done. And we didn't know what we were looking for. We knew there was a mood for change. And when we saw it, we knew it. I want to talk to you about this idea of the new rebellion. Uh, I'm here to talk on a personal level. I'll just talk on a church level for a moment. I think the church as we know it will shift in Australia over the next decade. I think it will. I, think it, I mean, we're already planning for it. It's not, but, but even as a, a denomination, but I think beyond our denomination, there we'll see a shift in the church in the next decade because there's a mood for change. But I don't think it's just a mood for change. I think it's a stirring of, 
of God in the people of God, a mood for change, ready for, you know, it's not just don't want to be in the same space a decade from now. And if you think about it, around the world, the church, uh, if you know anything about church, the modern church really sparks out of our country. Hillsong and what it's inspired around the globe. I mean, it's why I get to travel each year. They connect ACC with Hillsong and think that we know how to do modern church around the world. So they bring us into their countries to help them do startups. That's, that's because of the Australian church and the modern shift and now it's everywhere. And I wonder if what took place a, ge- a decade, a generation ago and has still got momentum in the generation we live, I wonder if just like that then there might be going on something right now that will see a shift in the church, the the tone, the temperature, the landscape of the church across our country. I mean, the traditional church will exist and will always exist. And the contemporary modern church, which we would be one, will exist and hopefully, hopefully continue to flourish. But I wonder if there's going to be a reshaping of the landscape in the way the church looks in our country over the next decade. I think there will be. And I think it's part of what I'll call, you can put whatever language you want around it, but I'll call the new rebellion. Let me talk to you on a personal level because I think God is stirring something. I think he is shaking something up for those who are up for it. Shaking something up for those who are up for it on a personal level. And probably the best way I can capture this, we're going to um, put a... Let me give you a heading and then we'll put a scripture on the screen. I've called it like rebels refusing the status quo, disrupting the way it is, to pioneer, to pioneer and shape what God is doing now and next. Rebels, refusing the status quo, disrupting the way it is, to pioneer and shape what God is doing now and next. And I don't know about you, I'm up for that. Yes. I'm, I'm up for it. I'm going to stop mentioning how old I am because I'm tipping nearer and nearer to the next major birthday that I'll have. But, but all I know is I want to use the next 40 years or whatever to move us in that direction. I don't know, but I'm up for that journey. I'm up for moving us in the direction while people would say that the church is facing a tipping point into irrelevance and oblivion. I'd suggest that God's never been out of an idea, never been short for a solution or a plan or a strategy. And God would create a tipping point in the other direction if, if his church is up for it. He's going to shake it up for those who are up for it. A new rebellion that disrupts the status quo, disrupts the way it is, living heart and soul for Jesus, to pioneer and shape what God is doing now and what God is doing next, not only in the church, but in people's lives. And so Acts, um, Acts chapter 17 is going to come up on the screen. Gives you the essence of the idea. But other Jews were jealous, so they've come preaching Jesus and, and people are responding to it. And so, But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters. Daniel Urquitz of the world, the <laughs> Ben Longmires. They rounded up some bad characters. You knew that was coming, didn't you, Benjamin? They rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. I, I think of places like Afghanistan and the, the swells that happened there on the streets. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. In another version it says, these men who have turned the world upside down. I like that. These men who have come and turned the world or who have gone turning the world upside down have come here too. Now they didn't turn it upside down in a bad way. 
They were seeing people's souls transformed, people's lives liberated, households changed forever. They're seeing Roman households where a man had a wife, a mistress, and a prostitute. They were teaching that a man should be faithful to the wife that he married. There's a revolutionary idea. That's the sort of upside-down revolution they were creating. It says they've turned the world upside down. That's what we're talking about here. They, they were positively different. They were profoundly changed. They were these people living in, in, in genuine, authentic Christian community, these gospel activists who were about liberating the human soul and transforming households as they were and seeing the tone and the temperature of the spiritual in a community just reshaped in their lifetime. They just started out a small little rebellion. They didn't know they were leading a global revolution. But here we are, the new rebellion. I wonder if in your spirit you're ready for something that in the world where you live, rather than reflecting the culture of the day, we might be those who would positively and profoundly turn the world upside down in the culture in which we live so that people's lives might be absolutely transformed from the, from the inside out. Rebels refusing the status quo, disrupting the way it is to pioneer and shape what God is doing now and next. And so if in you is a mood for change, if that's in you, I want you to come with me and, and I want to talk to you about this idea of the new rebellion at the start of this year. Here's the first thought. Number one. Number one, if you want to, that sort of change go on in your own life, if you'd like to see that sort of change go on in a generation, number one, won't get done without this happening. Number one, ready? Business as usual won't get it done. Business, as usual, will not get it done. If it would, it'll already be happening. Business as usual. Before we go anywhere, just this idea, if I think about my own life or, or what's going on around me, sometimes, sometimes you just need to keep doing business as usual and something's building. Other times, business as usual won't get it done. And I would suggest for the church, at least, broadly speaking, that business as usual won't get it done and that God will not sit by he will stir something up and I think it can be us and I think it can be our days and I think something can go on, you know. It takes pioneers, doesn't it? It takes innovators, it takes risk takers to look at what is not yet and so I believe God's stirring something. I believe he's disrupting something to do something in our days and so before we go anywhere, business as usual won't get done, won't get done in my faith necessarily. Maybe it will if you've got it all going on, of course it will but, but if it's not getting done, if you're like, it's not working, business as usual won't get it done. Um, we're 20 days into 2019. And I wonder, I wonder, just ask this, yourself this way, has life settled into its familiar rhythm or does there remain in you a mood for change? Has life, and if it's settled into its normal rhythm and that's good before God, that's awesome. But if in you is a mood for change, if in you is this, you'd like to see the status quo disrupted from the way it is and see something go on that's shaped and inspired by God, 20 days in as life settled into familiar rhythms. I mean, where you would, you know, where you would, what you would skip and what you would not do, what you would do, where you would pull back, you know, when certain things happen, where you would retract or retreat. Is it falling back into the same old rhythm? Am I just getting overloaded like I did last year or have I actually changed it up the way I'd hoped I would? Because business as usual isn't going to get some things done. 
It's going to take a different kind of spirit, a different way of living, a different set of priorities. It's not about more, it's just about shift. And uh, I think that's very important. No one's talking about giving you more to do here because who's got more time to do more with? Although, do you know, out of the States, there's a study recently where some, I forget the percentage of people that said they worked 50 to 60 hours and they found that the vast majority of people still worked under 40. They were saying how technology is making people feel like they're working harder and doing more than they really are because our spirit, our life doesn't, our mind doesn't slow down like it used to. And so, so something has to shift sometimes for something different to change or happen. And sometimes it's a subtle shift, sometimes it's a dramatic shift. What does that need to be for you? Sooner or later... Thinking about the new rebellion, sooner or later, we know from history that sooner or later, this generation or the next, here or somewhere else, that there'll be a group of people who say, I'm done with the status quo, I'm ready to disrupt the way it is, I'm going to live heart and soul for Jesus, to pioneer and shape the future. It will happen. It's just a question of who, just a question of where, just a question of when. History's full of it. There's always a generation that emerges and says, enough with the way it's been done. There's always a generation that disrupts the trajectory of the church in the direction of culture. They say, no, 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 this is on God's terms. We're going to turn the world upside down in the best possible way. I think it can be us. I think it should be us. I think that's what God would do in the day in which we live in the place. Think about this. Every person and every generation. Think of the Exodus generation, those of you who know your Bible. A generation that became self-interested grumblers, living with God in, in the mix of it. That's what they were. Sort of kind of self-interested grumblers, but with God in the mix, not at the centre. But then the next generation comes, Joshua, and a generation with him. I like to think of them as Gen Xers, like the generation above all generations, the generation that stand out from the builders and the millennials and the Zeds, and who else have I missed? Just a standout generation amongst the living. Joshua's generation. And, you know, one person and another generation became pioneers of the frontiers and established what God had been looking to do a generation before. The grumblers settled in their comfort and the pioneers stepped up to what God was doing. Nehemiah and the generation with him, you know, for a hundred years, many of you know, the wall just sat in ruins. But then finally, someone who didn't even live in the place, like wasn't really his business, had a good career going on. He was set for life, apart from the fact that he had to check the poison for the king. That's a bit risky in the wine. You want to be paid well for that job, right? Um, but Nehemiah, and after 100 years or thereabouts of nothing, people just putting up with the way it was, not ready to disrupt the, the status quo, just content to live the way it is. And he and a generation with him respond to the Spirit of God working. And they not only do they rebuild the wall, they restore the city. They revitalize the spiritual health. They rebuild the temple and they lead a renaissance. It wasn't even a lifetime. From ruin to renaissance in their lifetime because someone said, hey, we're ready to disrupt the status quo. We're ready to disrupt the way it is. We're ready to live heart and soul for God. We're going to pioneer and shape what the future looks like. We're going to change the temperature. We're going to change the tone and we're going to carve out a different way. Each person, every generation gets to decide. There will always be people, always be generations who just go with the flow. And there will always be people and always be generation who become the bold pioneers, innovators and risk takers who reshape the way things really are. So first thought is business as usual won't get it done and that's all it needs to take. Hang on, I need to make some change here. That's it. 
Business as usual won't get it done. Second thought is it's time for change. I think it is. I've come to this. I won't settle for the way it is. That kind of thinking, that's pretty um, straightforward. Number three, this is personal. I, I think sometimes there is a mood for change in the church right now, but sometimes the mood for change is looking for someone else to bring it. And I, I have to personalise this, that the mood for change is coming because of me, not despite me. It's becoming because I step up, not because I'm just on the fringe waiting. That, that's not going to happen. There are people been praying for a revival for their whole lifetime. But, but where there's no action, where there's no activity, it doesn't shift. It hasn't shifted. And someone can argue with me, but the fruit's there. But it can shift. It does shift. It has shifted. It will shift. God's done incredible things in our nation and from our nation. And so this is personal. I've written it like this. I'm one in a groundswell of what God is doing. I'm not here just doing my thing, part of the crowd. I'm done with that. I'm renewing my vow. This is it. I'm part of the new rebellion, bringing heaven to earth and advancing Jesus Christ course like never before. And for me, you can have all the world. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Robert the Bruce. I love um, Netflix. Robert the Bruce telling his story. Tyranny of England, Scotland um, wanting their independence again as a nation. He becomes king, a bunch of civil wars go on, all uprisings, etc. And then faced with the only way of he could win was guerrilla warfare against the might of England. They rallied to Robert the Bruce, the king, and they said, how are we going to win the war? He said, we're going to win it one castle at a time, and they took a nation, one castle at a time. They overcame an empire, one castle at a time. Your life, my life, one castle at a time. Our church, the church, one castle at a, at a time. Something can shift, something can go on in our time. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Let me read it to you. I want to read it from the message. Paul, we think it's Paul, but certainly the writer of Romans. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Just making this simple. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. We can all do that, can't we? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Now, I'm not saying we shut up shop. When I was a teenager, I wrote a, play, a, a script at school. I wasn't a church guy or anything about this guy who believed in God and believed in Jesus and started this commune and everybody moved into it. And he said, one day the world's going to end and the sign will be the moon turns blood red. I'm not sure if that's actually, it is kind of in scripture, but the cult wasn't. And, and uh, so I wrote this story. I'm sure my teacher wanted to put me on medication. And, uh, and the final scene was the moon turned blood red. He was right. The world was wrong. We're not talking about that sort of crazy lunacy here. We're not talking about starting a commune and going doing our thing and waiting for the world to end. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and listen to this and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I love this in this version. Um, you know, just take our everyday, ordinary life, bring it as an offering before God. That's what we want to do. Place it before God as an offering. You'll be changed from the inside out. I just want us to catch this next line because I think it's really important. It says, 
see what he wants you to do and quickly respond to it. And I think something of a positive rebellion could go on in our lives if, if we just shrink the times between response. Like seriously, I've met people who are having the same problem for decades. Same problem. Decades. Imagine we could shrink that to years, months, weeks, days, or here's a crazy idea, moments. Imagine that. Imagine the kind of radical revolution that can go on in me and in you when we just respond quickly. Bring it down to weeks and months and moments rather than years and decades and never. This is personal. So here's the number one thing I think stands in the way of what we're calling the new rebellion today. Here's the number one thing. Some of you have heard me talk about this a long time ago. I call it the I-God phenomenon. The I-God phenomenon. So let me explain it to you in the, the minutes that we have and then let me wrap this for you. The I-God phenomenon is this idea. It's exploding across the earth and infiltra- even infiltrating the church. The Bible says that's how it would be. Exploding across the earth and infiltrating the church in our day. The I-God phenomenon is this simple idea. It's that the center of the universe is me. See, we read old texts and they worshipped at Asherah poles and those can think, you people are crazy. And so what the modern Western world has done, we, we haven't replaced it with new gods, we've replaced it with me as God. I'm the centre of the universe. And actually the idea, you know, this idea of follow my heart, do my own thing, it's however I want, this idea that we find, it's actually not even new. It's not like, you know, the progressive thinkers would say this is the way it should be. It's actually the oldest trick in the book. It's like the most reworked song in human history. Before humanity had breathed a breath, the Bible says that Lucifer fell when he said, I will be like God. I will exalt myself. When humanity finally breathed a breath and the first humans walked the planet, it wasn't long before the Bible says that one of them was deceived and that the, uh, Eve was deceived and the man rebelled. And why'd they rebel? Because they would be wise like God. They would understand as God. This is not a new idea. The I-God phenomenon is the oldest trick in the book. It has its origins before we breathe the breath. It has its roots in human history's beginning. It's threaded its way through the ages. Isaiah 53 says, talking of this incredible prediction of Jesus coming to die for the sins of the world and be resurrected from the grave. Speaking of that moment that was um, written down for one time in the future, it says, here lies the problem that all have gone astray, that we've all gone our own way. That's the core issue. The I-God phenomenon has been alive and well since before we breathed a breath, when we breathed a breath across the pages of history, and then it's exploded as the God of our age. Have a look at this. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead... Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say whatever their itching ears want to hear. Does that sound something like the I-God phenomenon has exploded in our age and infiltrated the church to you? It does to me. And then there's not room to be cause for fear or scare. I love the way that 2,000 years ago, the Bible predicted at the end of the age that this would happen God was so well prepared for this day coming that he wrote it in scripture 2,000 years ago so that on a day like this, in a place like this, at the ends of the earth, which they didn't know existed, we could read this and go, we are aware. 
we're alert to what's going on in our day. And we will not live the way the culture teaches us. But we will disrupt the status quo. And we will lead a new rebellion. The old rebellion just goes away from God in the direction it wants to go. And the new rebellion is moving the way from the way it wants to go into the ways of God. In love with self-interest, ruled by I amness. We're saying, hey, if there's going to be a new rebellion, this is at the center of it. So here's the spark of the new rebellion as I wrap this today. Listen to this from the pages of Scripture. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 44. Um, You can follow on up there. Speaking of Jesus, And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Let me read it to you again. And he, I'm in 2 Corinthians, aren't I? Yep. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. He was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Here's where the spark lies of a new rebellion. Nevertheless, here's where the spark of a new rebellion lies, these next few words. Not my will, but yours be done. And right there, in those words, I'm telling you, is the spark of a rebellion in you, a good rebellion. When, when that gets on the inside of us, when that is what's coming out of us, not my will, but your will be done. When that goes on in us, something powerful, something profound, that's why they could turn the world upside down because they said to themselves, not our will, but yours be done. I surrender. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says it like this, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. The old is gone, the new is here. I toyed with the idea with my kids this year, because I like to torment them, of all years saying, I'm just going to, every time I go to say 2019... I'm going to correct it and say 2018. And I'll go, Dad, it's 2019. And I thought, you and I both know if someone walks into the room now and says, oh, yeah, you know, this year in 20... Did anyone notice that we said next year for Kids Club on the news, right? You all corrected it in your mind this year. Why is that? Because 2018 is gone. The old is gone and the new has come. If anyone talks like it's 2018, we all think "That that was then, it's not now. Some of you millennials, 20 years from now, you're going to tell your children that the songs from 2018 were timeless and that they are the best songs ever made. But they will be yesterday, even if you treat them like they're today. Don't you know that's true because you hear your parents' music? And we forgive your parents for that. Some of you, I could be your parents God have mercy on me as well. But 2018 is gone. 2019 has come. No one's thinking that 2018 is real anymore. Old life is gone. New life has come. That's gone. And the new life has come for everyone who's put their faith in who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And so it's sort of summed up in the old hymn 
I'd love to sing it for you, but it'll spoil the moment. Listen to it. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Saviour. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Make me Saviour, holy thine. May thy Holy Spirit fill me. May I know thy power divine. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Saviour. I surrender all. And it really is the spark of the new rebellion. I talk about the spirit of it tonight. The spark of the new rebellion really just lies there. Not my will, but yours be done. I surrender all. Many of you in this room go, well, Darren, I'm living that awesome. I know in my own life, there are just sometimes places where it's not quite there yet. I want to make sure I'm going there, I'm moving there, that's happening. Not out of condemnation, but because here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life. So simple. And place it before God as an offering. And right there is the spark of a new rebellion that will not live with the way it is, that will disrupt the status quo, that can pioneer and lead what God is doing now and what God is doing next, that we would see the church reshape, that we would see families transform and that we would see lives become all that they were meant to be before the living God in Jesus' name. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for every person here. We're here because of you, not because we are curious about you or know you deeply or somewhere in between. And so God, help us all. We, we today just say, I surrender all, all to Jesus, my blessed Saviour. I surrender all. I believe in what you would do in our days. We don't know quite what it is yet, but in our lives and across your church, there's a mood for change. And I don't think it's a mood that comes from us, but is inspired by you. And so God, today we spark a new rebellion by saying we surrender all in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.